our mindsets and actions reveal our true commitment. Um, Psalms 105, verses 7 through 8. Word of the Lord. I'm reading it from the New Living Translation. So if yours reads a little different, I just wanted to share from this vantage point. It says, He is the Lord, our God. His justice is seen throughout the land. He is always, or rather, He always stands by His covenant. The commitment He made to a thousand generations. So, I love that part because it manifests how God stands by the things that He promises. So he, he actually watches over his word to fulfill his word, to fulfill his promises. And it says here, the commitment that he made to a thousand generations. Whenever God makes a promise, he doesn't only make it to you. He makes it to generations. But it includes you. You understand? Know he loves the world. He doesn't just love you. You can't take God's love just for me. No. He loves us all. And whoever receives his promise, he is faithful to fulfill his promise to that person that receives his love. One thing about Almighty God that you need to understand is He doesn't impose His will on anybody. He shares His love for you and He shares His promises to you. And then if you receive them, He releases them to you. You understand? It's the same thing as a lawyer. You see lawyers on TV constantly, constantly asking for your business. Why? Why don't they just take your case? Because they can't. They need your permission in order for them to do what they do, right? The minute you sign the contract with them or the commitment with them, then they go to bat for you. Same thing with Almighty God, except with Him, it's, it's perfect, it's pure, it's holy, and He takes it to a whole other level. When He uh, promises to the generation, it includes us. All His promises in Scripture are yea and amen to all of us. Having said that, we need to receive His promise. It's almost like Christmas. You know, when somebody gives you a gift, what's your responsibility? Hmm? To take it, to receive it. What happens if I'm going to give a gift to somebody and they go like this? I don't want it. No, don't give it to me. I don't want it. You see me? That means that gift isn't activated in that person's life. I work in an industry where um, many times... Um, I manage properties, so from time to time, contractors or the companies will come, and before initiating business with me, they'll give me a gift, or at least they'll try. What I do is I tell them, I don't want your gift, because I don't want in the future to be beholden to you. I don't want that if, let's say you're doing something illegal in this building or something we don't appreciate, and I have to kick you out. I don't want the gift then to come in the way of my decision-making process. So with all due respect, I'm not going to receive your gift. Uh, many of them, they try to push it on me. Says, no, 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 just for coffee for the guys. Says, no, don't even give me coffee for the guys. Just do what you're supposed to do. Come on time, uh, uh, the, 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 the prescribed hours, that's when you can work. You can't be here in the evening, clean the hall, whatever it is. And I love that dynamic because it reminds me of this. God wants to give us something, but now this, and in this case, it's out of love. It's because he loves us. It's the same thing as your child. If you, if you love your child, you try to give something to your child. Sometimes they get into the teenage years and they get into this rebellious stage. I don't want your love. I don't want you. They just get you know, crazy for a while, right? But you know as a parent, what, you're, what you have to offer them is precious. It's pure, right? So you continue to offer it to them until they mature and they're able to receive the gift. God will continue to offer his gift as long as we're alive. And then he's committed to it. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 15. The apostle said this, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Say with me, all people. All it's not a select people, it's all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people. Totally committed to doing good deeds. You must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. You have, you have the authority to correct them when necessary. So don't let, everyone, don't let anyone disregard what you say. It was important. So the apostle was saying, you have to share this with people. Teach them, encourage them to do it. See, so our responsibility, now we have that revelation, is to teach others 
to do it. Also, it's not just let them know. It's walk with them until they learn how to do it also. That's called discipleship. Right? When we birth a child, we don't leave the child in the hospital. I'm not good parents won't do that. They will take the child home with them and then begin to rear them. They'll train them. They'll clean them. You know, uh, they'll do whatever it takes. Then as they grow, they put them in school. They go through the process. Somebody told me when your children grow to age 18, that's it. Job is done. Big fat lie. I got children in my 30s and they're still, <laughs> I still feel that, 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 that connection there. But it's a privilege. I get to mentor them even now as adults. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated in God's presence. Father, we thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you move mightily, Lord, through the preaching of your word, the teaching of your word. Uh, I pray that you open up the eyes of our understanding, that we might be able to see the things that you're sharing with us today, individually and corporately as a church. We do give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Praise God. There was a gentleman, a pastor, uh, Pastor Bill, he said this, does God, who does God use to make an impact? Who does he use to, is it super saints, heroes? Pious religious people. We look at TV, you know, TV many times. You see these TV evangelists. Wow, they're like supermen and superwomen. Uh, no, no. If you know them personally, you'll know it's just they have a lot of influence. They're on TV, and sometimes TV makes you larger than life. But in reality, they have the same struggles that we do. Plus, behind the scenes, you don't know the struggles that they're going through. You don't know the pressures they have. Our bill here, we pay a monthly mortgage a couple of grand a month, right? They pay just for the lights sometimes, two, three hundred thousand dollars a month. Just for the lights. The TV programs, a million dollars a month they have to pay. There's a lot of pressure to that. So don't want to be something that looks glitzy and glamorous, but really, behind the scene, I don't even know if most of us would take that, that level of pressure. You know, just be where you are, shine where you are, and, you know, God uses us all. So listen to the words of Chronicles. 1 Chronicles 6, 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. See, those are the people that God uses. The key of His devotion. We need to remember that the depth of our devotion determines our impact. God is not looking all over the, the earth for strong people. He's not looking for great people. He's not looking for perfect people. He's not even looking for religious people. He's looking for devoted disciples. For men and women who are fully committed to him. He's looking for a regular person who he can pour his strength out on. In order for that to happen, we need to be completely committed and dangerously devoted. Amen? Amen. So that means you. Say to your neighbor, that means you. you. Praise God. It's amazing what God can do in you and what God can do through you. I remember when I was 15 years old. I remember uh, I went to church for the very first time. I sat in a service, not like this, it was a lot more conservative. It was a conservative church. Uh, but I sat there and the preacher spoke a little bit about this. He, he said that how God loves, loves you and he, and he has a plan for you. I never knew that. But at age 15, I received that message, I received Jesus Christ. And in the months to follow, I got involved in church and I was able to help a lot of people with the message that God gave me. I shared it in my ignorance, in my youthfulness, but I still shared it. And a lot of people were connected to Almighty God. But one of the particular impacts that, that I remember is how I was able to preach to my own mother and father. And I was able to help them. It's an amazing thing to see how God can work in you and then work through you. A gentleman by the name of William Booth, he was the founder of the Salvation Army. He was once asked, what is the secret to his incredible ministry? Because, I mean, he's gone a long time. He's in the presence of Jesus for many years. And look at the power of the Salvation Army army. That's amazing, that ministry. And he says, this is what he said, God has had all that there was of me. There has been men, there have been men with greater brains than I, but from the day I got the poor of London on my heart, and I caught a vision of what Jesus Christ could do with me and them, on that day, I made up my mind that God should have all of William Booth that there was. You see, so he was fully devoted, and look what God did through him. You see my point? That's when you become super. When you allow God's super to be added to your natural. Thus you become naturally supernatural. Hallelujah. One time there was a, talking about commitment, there was a, a man who bought a parrot. And this parrot, he, he, he was already trained. He, he was able to speak. Um, 
The problem is the beautiful parrot had a very bad mouth. And he could swear for five minutes straight without repeating himself. This man was embarrassed because the bird was driving him crazy, even in front of people. He tried to appeal to the bird by asking him to clean up his language. The parrot promised to change, but nothing happened. In fact, his swearing increased both in volume and frequency. It finally got so much to the point that he grabbed the bird by the throat and started shaking it and said, quit it. But this made the parrot more angry and he swore more than ever before. Then the guy got really mad and he locked him in a kitchen cabinet. This really aggravated the bird and he started clawing and scratching, making all kinds of racket. When the guy finally let him out, the parrot let loose with a stream of swear words that made the man blush. At that point, he said, you know, I don't know what to do with this bird anymore. So he got so upset that he threw him into the freezer. He threw the bird into the freezer. For the first few seconds, the bird squawked and screamed and cursed and thrashed about. But then there was silence. At first, the guy just waited. But then he started to wonder if the bird was hurt. After a couple of minutes of not hearing anything, he was so worried that he opened up the freezer door. The bird calmly climbed into the man's outstretched arm. And he says, I'm really sorry for all the trouble I've been giving you. Sorry. I make a solemn promise and vow from now on to clean up my language. The man was astounded. He was amazed. He couldn't believe the transformation that had come over the parrot. Just because he threw him into the freezer for a couple of minutes. Then suddenly the parrot turned around and says, I just have one question. What did the chicken in the freezer do? <laughs> All he had to do was one look at that chicken. He's not, this, this dude is bad. In him. <laughs> the instant change of mindset, you know. <laughs> so, here are some mindsets. And, and I, I love um, when I'm able to get away and go to retreats with my fellow pastors, uh, with uh, uh, my bishop and, and some other leaders that I co-labor with. And uh, Bishop Joe, he's just a, a stream of, of, of a wealth of wisdom. And let me tell you, uh, he's going international now. God has given this man a platform that I am amazed. I'm astounded. Uh, the wisdom that he has in himself, that he's been sharing in our city for 25 years. Now it's going global. We're going to have him in June. He's coming over in June. So I'm very thrilled. Uh, in, uh, next week, actually, uh, Elder Jenny, she's going to be here with us. Praise God. She's going to come. I'm sure she's going to come with a prophetic stream. So I really recommend that you be here because you, you never know what God's going to say through Prophetess Jenny. And uh, in the coming days and months, we're going to be able to hear from some of our friends, our ministry friends. Um, soon I'm going to talk to our daughter churches and we're going to have one service which is going to be bilingual in nature. It will be Spanish and English. We have various Spanish-speaking churches and as they converge, even the church from South Jersey, they're looking forward to be with us. It will be on a Saturday. Um, after the service, we're going to sit down with the leaders and discuss some of these very issues. But I'm looking forward to that. And by the way, um, how is it today? Is it warm? Is it cold here? How is it? It's perfect, right? Okay. Let me just share that it's perfect because it's only maybe 60 degrees out there. But as soon as it's 75 out there, it's no longer going to be, per be perfect. Right? So what does, what does that mean? What do we need here? Right. Glaringly missing is an AC system. We have already spo spoken uh, to the engineers. They're saying that since this building is a two-phase, we can put two four-ton units in the roof and then duct it into the different rooms. So that is the next project. It's a, it's a micro project. It's not a macro one, but it's one that one of the next things we will be working. So if, if you say, it's kind of hot in here, don't say that. Just say, we need an AC system. So we're going to buy us an AC system, right? right. Amen? Amen? Praise God. So let's continue to be faithful and generous because that's the next thing on the line once we get that. Then the next thing after that is our security system. I want to be able to be one of the businesses in our community that actually sees 24-hour days outside. We're looking that way, looking that way. Already the wires are in. We're going to put uh, cameras. So in case there's any accident, anything at all, we're going to have cameras there, cameras in here, cameras on the side, on both sides. So in case of anything, we will have 24-hour access to uh, DVR systems that we could record and, and back and forth. All right? So Bishop Joe, he shared with me uh, various uh, mindsets that can be harmful. So now I'm going to ask you to tell your flesh, flesh, listen. This is important. 
Alright? Because I could preach you happy. I could jump up and down now. I, mean, I, I Jesus is good. Come on, somebody. You know, I, I could stir that up. But I want you to learn something. Uh, you know, I want you to, pra- to practice the most important thing, which is understanding God's principles and then, I'm apply- and then applying them to your life. Because that's what brings long-lasting victory in your life. Amen? Alright, so, ten type of mindsets that... Um, many times don't get their blessing or don't get their inheritance and they cannot break through to the next level that God wants them because the mindset, all right? So the first mindset that we shared in these retreats is those who do not take responsibility are people that will always find a way to blame someone else. They'll always find a way to blame a situation, a circumstance, their last name, their situation, uh, maybe, uh, maybe their past failures. So one of the things we spoke about uh, that allowed us to understand that if we were going to be breakthrough leaders is we have to deal with that. The buck stops with me. I'm going to stop making excuses and I'm going to take responsibility for my life and ministry. I'm going to take responsibility for my training. I'm going to take responsibility for my words. I'm going to take responsibility for the way I respond, for the way I prospond. In other words, how I respond ahead of time by virtue of vision. I'm going I'm to take respons- responsibility for the way I react. And let me tell you, some people could take you there. The other day, I had a, I had a um, discussion with, with Minister Julio about that, how people could take you there. And by I mean they could take you to the breaking point. Earlier this week, I had an opportunity to practice what I preach. My, my leadership, where I work in, on a secular level, they took me there. They got me to the place. Tony, have you ever been to the point that you're so stressed out that you're ready to explode? Absolutely. Any of you been there? Yeah. That is not a good place to be. Where, and, and with us guys, I don't know, maybe you ladies too, because lately I've seen that a lot in ladies. They get so upset, they, they want to they wanna hit people. I mean, yeah, some, some ladies, are, man, they're getting so angry nowadays. But us guys, if we get angry, you get us to a point where we don't know what to do anymore. It just, it just, it comes up. We want to hit a wall. We want to hit a door. Yeah, I'm serious. We'll punch something. Later on, we'll regret it because we break our hands or we break somebody's face. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Or wall, yeah, wall, chairs, anything. We would break it and then later on we say, why did I do that? But it gets us to that place. But see, if you train your spirit man, when you're getting there, you'll realize it before you get there. Does that make sense? You see, so we have to understand. The Lord makes it very clear. We have to put a watch on our tongue. We have to put a watch on our actions. We have to watch the internal videotape and audio tape that, um, that expresses in our minds constantly. Because, you know, people are always talking to themselves. You know that, right? You know you're always talking to yourself. Yeah, you talk to yourself. We all talk to ourselves. It's an inner talk. It's normal. Well, it's not normal when you're in the street going, wow, yeah, that's when it's not normal. But we all talk to ourselves. There's a running dialogue on the inside. So the more biblically minded you become, the more you're able to control when the enemy wants to get in or when your own preconceived notions or your own tendencies and proclivities want to come forth. Right? So the first thing we learned, self-improvement, we need to remove all excuses, especially excuses for mediocrity. I know, but that's the way it's always been, this and that. Listen, when you become more, it's not all about you. When you become more, somebody else around you is going to become more too. Because somebody's watching you. You, 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 you. Your children, your brother, your sister, somebody will see you and say, wow, if they can do it, I can do it too. And this world needs godly men and women that will break through their current circumstances because other people are watching. God is calling you to mentor others. But you can only mentor to this level if you refuse to grow, if you refuse to break out from your current level. One of the reasons why um, there was this one leader, a governor, I don't know if it was, I forget his name. Oh, Mike Huckabee. 
Mike Huckabee, he right now has his own program. He was a governor, I think, of Arkansas or something like that. He ran for president not so long ago. But this man was a, was a Sunday school teacher. But he studied. He kept on, kept on better, bettering himself. He, he got involved with politics. He ended up as governor of his state. But he was a regular church guy. But then when he became governor, so many things started hitting him. He had to continue to better himself. Otherwise, he would have... There's something called the Peter Principle. And the Peter Principle is you keep on getting promoted to the level of your incompetence. In other words, they keep on putting you more responsibility. If you don't change with that, if you don't grow with that, you run into the place where you're totally incompetent. So you're good here, your boss sees, he likes it, so he puts you in another place. But if you don't prepare for that other place, you'll look horrible in that next place, that next level. So it, it's incumbent upon us. I believe that as we've moved into this new place, God has said, okay, prepare yourself now. Now we have to prepare ourselves what? By studying more books, reading on leadership, reading on community involvement, right? Well, we've been speaking with Rochelle. Rochelle has already reached out to our community affairs and the police department. She's reaching out to the fire department. We're doing this on purpose. And that's going to shift us. It's going to change us. So we have to get more involved. Some of us, um, I'm, I'm going to speak to an archbishop in the Bronx who... Actually, some of you met him because we went to his church and got some of our people baptized. This gentleman is hooked up. I mean, hooked up. He loves God. He loves community. But he knows everybody who's everybody and anybody who's anybody. Right, Sister Cynthia? I mean, I mean you introduced, but, but I, I, have, I have dibs on him too because he's the grandson of my pastor from years ago, right? So when we met, we had that little thing. But it's amazing how him and his wife, they just love God. But over the years, they've connected with the politicians, with, with, with the, um, the government, with, with community activism. And uh, he told me, when you're ready, he says, Victor, when you're ready, let me know, because I'll get you funding for after-school programs. I'll get you funding for latchkey programs. Jesus. You understand? Okay, sounds good, right? And it is. It's amazing. However... That means we need to learn about after-school programs. That means we need to learn about latchkey kids. Uh, you know, what can we do? Okay, 100 kids come here from 3 to 6. What are we going to do with them? What are we going to do with 100 kids? Right, Brenda? It's, you know, a blessing can become a curse if you can't handle it. <laughs> That's true. There you go. Call Johanna. See, now watch this. Look at the side issue on that. We'll call Johanna, but Johanna has a job. So that means we will have to take Johanna out of her job and then hire her. And then give her finance and then give her health insurance, right? Then if you have 100 children here, you better put some insurance in this building that includes after-school program. So it takes our insurance base, which we have right now, and ups it about a good two to 3000 you know, for every three months. So you, What's that? Oh, um, he's, he's an archbishop. Yeah. He's, he's an archbishop over there. You want to talk to me later? I'll show you. I'll show you the whole thing. You know, but, you know it's po I'm only on point one. I got ten points. You want to start discussing with me about it? <laughs> you know what it is? Lourdes, he's, he's, he's like administrator. Well, I want to know his name. And I want his resume. <laughs> so, we complain about our jobs. We complain about our spouses. We complain about our church. Stop complaining. If you're not going to be part of the answer, don't be part of the problem. Amen. Did I just say that? <laughs> you know, you understand? Sometimes you have a passion and you want other people to fulfill your passion. No, sometimes God calls you. You have that passion. To, I don't like that about that community. I don't like, well, run for office. But then you better learn how to run for office. Right? I have a good friend of mine on the, on the West Bronx, pastor. And he ran for office. He had a passion to connect with community. You know what he had to do? He had to learn what it takes. He had no money, zero budget, right? And yet, that man ran for office. You know what he used? His volunteers. From who? From his church. And they all went to community and they spoke about their pastor, how he can bring change. You know what he is right now? He's one of our city council members. And he's a pastor. And he's proud of it. Right? A lot of other guys saw what he did. They ran and they all lost. But you know why, right? This man, when he decided to run, he researched it. He, he found out what he had to do. He became more than he was before. Yeah. 
So, okay, I achieved it. No, no, it's not that I achieved it. It's what I become in the process of achieving something. If I dare to become more. Second thing is we have to have a heart to seek God. It's not just a matter of a title. You have to have a heart after God. See, David was busy shepherding sheep before he ever became king. When God reached out to him, God had already determined he has a heart after me. So I will bless him because of his heart. Where is your heart right now? Is your heart after money? Is your heart after fame? Do you want to become the next American Idol? So you could be rich and famous? Do you want to become the next Justin Bieber? Or, or Bibet? <laughs> yeah, a lot of our kids, they're getting filled with those things. And they don't realize the pressure those kids have. And you see them, they become famous. And then one day you go... What's that? Oh, that person just imploded. They just, they just imploded. That's all. They were there and suddenly, gone. They don't understand the pressures. Don't want to be, you know, great just because so you could be a famous person. Bible teaches the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Praise God. And unfortunately, when we do not respect God to seek Him and study His Word, then what will happen is we will never be able to break through. Remember Joshua. God called Joshua to help his people to go through. But the reason why I called Joshua is Joshua had already been faithful. Joshua loved God. What did they run into? They ran into several things. Number one, they ran into people around them. We can't do it. We can't do it. Have you ever wanted to do something and the first one is your own family and friends? You can't do that. Who do you think you are? You're nothing. If you have a heart after God, God will work in you so that when they come at you to try to shut you down, He'll, he'll put enough energy in you, enough, enough strength, enough security, enough faith, enough power to be able to say, no, I reject that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with God. Amen. Years ago, this church had a fire. Years ago, we had to leave our place. We were, in essence, homeless. Right? Now, shortly after that, what many people don't know is that people started calling me. And they started saying, Victor, is everything okay? I said, yeah. Yeah, because I, uh, some people are telling me that you left the ministry and you went. You just couldn't take it, so you left. I have friends recommending that I sit down. Oh, you had a good run. Ten years is enough. At that, back at that time. Now I'm 20 years as pastor, right? But at 10 years as pastor, when we had all of that stuff, nothing seemed to be going right. They told me, yeah, it's better that you sit. Let somebody else take it. Hello? What if I would have listened? Well, guess what? God would have raised up someone else and would have fulfilled what I'm called to do. You see my point? So that will always come to every person when you decide to do something almost immediately. It's almost guaranteed. They'll come to you to try to stop you. I call that the crab mentality. The crab mentality, you know why? Because you throw crabs inside a bucket. As one crab is trying to get out, the other one grabs them and brings them down. And that's what happens. When you try to break out of your place, uh, some of your very friends, like a crab, are going to grab you, try to bring you back down. Hey, get out of here. We're suffering and you're going to suffer with us, bless God. <laughs> the third thing is that many people just refuse to be accountable. They just refuse to take advice. And I don't know what it is with today's generation. Everybody knows everything. Nobody wants to learn. The greatest folk that are out there are people that even mentioning Justin Bieber, right? You know why he's good in the piano? Because early on, his mother would put him to practice. And he heeded the practice. He practiced. And he got very good. He got very, very prolific at his age and such a young age. Uh, he trained in voice. He did well. So he succeeded there. Unfortunately, another part of him, you know, rebelled. But the point I'm saying is that if you're accountable, if you listen to your elders, if you listen to your parents, if your parents are good parents, are giving you good advice, you're going to do well. But we have a tendency of not wanting to listen to anybody. And if you're wrong, you're not wrong. No, no, that's not me. Somebody else. I, you don't admit it. It's a big mistake. We have to embrace this mindset that we become accountable. Even me right here. I am accountable to my fellow leaders. I don't do whatever I please. I first discuss it with them. We confer. If I'm wrong, they have the right to speak into my life. Right? I have a bishop also. I have, other, I have, I have a presbytery 
uh, leadership over me. In case there's a problem, my leaders have the right to go to them and to have them sit me down. I'm accountable. You understand? When you're accountable, it protects you. Say to your neighbor, that's a protective device. That's why many people implode. Many people, or they'll commit suicide, or they get in trouble, or do something stupid, because they don't have anybody to talk to. They don't have a mentor. Someone once said, you, you need to have three types of people in your life. You need to have a Timothy. Who's a Timothy? Somebody younger than you, that you have by your side, that you're mentoring. Right? Then you, ha- then you need to have somebody in your life like a Barnabas. A Barnabas is a person that loves you. No matter what, they just love you. They love you on your good days, your bad days, because that's good, because they encourage you, and they're just there with you, right? But you also have to have a Paul. Paul is a no-nonsense leader that will put you in your place. He's not interested, or she's not interested in your comfort. They're interested in your, fu- interested in your future. And they'll put you in your place. Anybody have a Paul? Or a Paulita? <laughs> you need that. You need these three type of people. <clears throat> so we have to create accountability, not distance ourselves. If you don't like that person because they put, put you in your place, you walk away from them. You, 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 you stay away. You're, I don't want to pray. I don't, they make me feel uncomfortable. Well, they're supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. You know what's feeling uncomfortable? Your comfort level. <clears throat> They'll pull you out of your comfort level and make you greater. We've always heard in the military that, you know, you go to boot camp and, you know, you get some good challenges. No, but, but you get some good disciplines. But I never knew to what degree until my daughter uh, shared with me what she went through. And, and she mentioned that they take you to the breaking point and beyond. They take you there. And some of you military folk here, you understand exactly what she's talking about. I still don't understand fully, but she said this was the worst experience of my life. Now I understand where people say it's better to be dead she told me just like that. See, when they take you outside into the field, it's 45 degrees, and all you have is a shirt. And you have to stay there. And then you have to stand for 10 hours straight and not sleep 24 hours before that. And, and your food is like a little pack of little some freeze-dried stuff. They make you drink from places that you, you would never normally drink from. Well, you have to go in mud, dirty mud and all that other stuff and feel terrible after 40 hour, 48 hours of not sleep. And, and now post-experience, you see, I just went to see her two weeks ago, how different she is. She's more polished. Uh, even her conversation is different. She's more appreciative of life, appreciative of the simple things. Coffee, <laughs> even coffee. <laughs> She can't even leave the base unless she has somebody with her. You understand? So, in order for us to become more, we have to break out of our current comfort level. Third, uh, that's the third thing. Fourth thing is, there are people that no matter what, they're always negative. They always have a negative outlook on life. The Bible is a very positive book. God's a very positive God. Where in the world we get all of this po- a negative mindset? Huh? How's everything? Well, everything's all right now, but I'm sure something else is going to happen. I'm sure something's going to ruin the day, just the, just the way it is. Some people are negative just, just on purpose, man. Just, just they wake up negative. They go to sleep negative. And the bottom line is, God can't help a person like that. <laughs> yeah, because you, God will tell you something, and his prophetic word is wonderful. But say, nah, nah. In the Old Testament, remember Moses' crowd? God says, I want you to take the land. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. We can't take the land. Why? Because there are giants in it. Giants will be your food. We can't do it. They're large enough. They'll eat us up. God says, you're right. You can't. I'm going to have to wait an entire generation for another generation to rise up that's willing to believe me. God wanted them to enter. They refused because their negative attitude would not allow them to come in. And so sometimes... You know, you have friends like that, family members like that. After a while, you just got to sort of limit your time with them because they'll bring you down. Say to your neighbor, stay away from negative folk. So you try to minister to them, but if they insist on it, after a while, I'm not going to argue with somebody that doesn't want to learn. It's just their way and that's it. Their way or the highway. I guess, all right, go, go to your negative highway then. I'm going to go to my positive highway. Praise God. Amen. When I remember when I first went for the job I wanted, to a dream job that I wanted, first person I told was my father. 
told my dad. Dad, I'm going to leave this job at a great doorman job. And I was going to go to a nice residential manager position. And I told my dad, who was also a doorman. And to dad, I'm leaving my job. I'm going to go to this resident manager position. A lot more money, a lot more prestige, a lot more benefits. You know what my dad told me? He told me, son, you better not. You might fail. You better stay in your job. Good benefits, good pay, good building. I'm like, yeah, but dad, you don't understand. This job is a lot better. Oh, you, but you might fail. I said, dad, just watch me prosper. And I just left that conversation. I refused to entertain it anymore because I already knew where I was going. I knew it was going to be a blessing to me and my family. And it was. For many years, this thing blessed me. And then later on, I was able to help him get a job. Then afterwards, he was, hey, oh yeah, my son, my son, the manager over there, he's very proud of him, my son. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you understand? See, the thing is, is that you have to have the revelation. You can't depend on others to have the revelation for you. Uh, I hope that sinks in. I think they're going to get, some of them go, oh, that's what he meant by Wednesday. By Wednesday at 4 o'clock, it's just going to hit them suddenly. The fifth thing we need to watch is a mindset of refusing to have a vision for your future. How many of you have a five-year calendar? All right. Good for you, six. <laughs> Good for you, six folk. We need to have a vision for our future, vision for our time. Who has more time, you or the President of the United States? Huh? No. You both have the same amount of time. It's just he has a master, he has to master his calendar. He has an assistant, and he basically, he, he controls his time. He has to, because of his responsibilities. You have the same amount of time. Oh, I can't get anything done. Oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Uh, what, 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 what are you doing? Nothing, but I'm just overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some people are always overwhelmed. And when you ask them, they're doing Nothing. Bottom line is, we have to start having vision for our future. And another thing, life is boring until you get a vision. Really. It, some people, how you doing? La misma cosa de siempre. Same thing as always. Yeah, serious? What are you doing? Nothing. You know? They sleep by night and rest by day. They hang out on Monday. They chill out on Tuesday, you know. They sleep on Wednesday, Thursday. I don't know what they do. <laughs> but we have to have a vision for our future. We have to pray. God will instill in us. Actually, what he'll do, he'll go inside the potato. And he'll pull out your vision that he already instilled in you. If you're willing to give God a chance. Amen. Amen. Praise God. That's a good message. But I can't go any further because that's Nate's message. All right? You got to go to bonfire for that one. <laughs> hmm? Number five is refusing to have a vision for your future. And number six are those that live in self-deception. How you doing? Everything all right? Their life is falling apart, but everything's all right. Everything is falling apart. Their jobs are falling apart. Their relationships are falling apart. Their health is falling apart. First thing you need to do is admit there's an issue. If you deny all the time, you don't get the help. It's, it's only until you release God by admitting, here's an issue. And then God will start helping you. God will send you people. God will send you wisdom. God will send you resources. But you first have to admit, I've got a situation here that I have to deal with. So people that live in self-deception, very, very dangerous. Praise God. And that includes emotions. And many times I try to address an issue in a person. See, what happens is we are what you call, we are limited because we wear blinders. Yeah. We're like that. So what happens is God will send us people that see this part. You know, the part that you're not seeing. Say, so, you know, brother, you have an issue here. You have an issue there. I don't have an issue. What's the matter with you? I'm offended. That I'm, 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 I'm offended. I'm appalled. I take umbrage at what you say. Yeah, they're never wrong. They're never wrong. But yet, God is sending them something to open up that, you know, the limit, the blinder. We're like horses. Just see only this. We don't see this. But when you start opening up, when you start realizing, praise God, 
oh my God, I have an issue. But you know what that takes? That takes humility. Problem is many times we're too prideful. We don't want to take advice. What am I going to look like if I take advice? They might think there's something wrong with me. Ah, there is. And you know what's the worst thing about it? Everybody sees it but you. No, they might see it. They all see it. Might as well just deal with the issue, move on, and grow. That's a good place to say amen, right? All right, so that's the seventh part. The eighth thing is those those who do not want to pay the price for success. Wow, that's a biggie. And in today's society, there's such hopelessness that more and more people than ever are playing the lotto. Yeah, because they've given up. I see him. I go to the store. David, I got lines of people. Oh, this week, man, I'm hitting it. When I hit, man, I'm going to get my jacuzzi, my house. They're going to get nothing. You know what you're going to get? $2 or $10 or $20 poorer. You get hit by lightning 17 times before you ever hit the lotto. Bottom line is, too many people refuse to pay the price for success. It's hard work to be successful, to have a business. You've got to wake up earlier. You've got to, go to, you've got to close the, the store at night. It, it, it's hard work. You've got to go to school. You've got to train. You've got to prepare. For you to be better, you've got to pay the price to be better. But once you're better, you can help more people. You can help community. You could represent God in a better way. One, one, one preacher said it this way, and it just moved me. I said, oh my God, you're right. He said, sometimes God will not open the door for some preachers to larger pulpits because he has to protect his people from those, those preachers. Because they never learn anything. They never train. They never better themselves. All they're preaching from the pulpit is nonsense. They don't study theology. They don't go to Bible school. Right? In the same way in business. How are you going to become a VP of something if you didn't VP? You first have to become a VP in order to be a VP. You know what I'm saying by that? In other words, you have to prepare and train so by the time you get into the position, you've already been acting like VP. Even though you were junior VP. Or no VP at all. For those of you that don't know what VP is, Vice President. No, sometimes I say that because it's like you, you young folk, you, you go, MSTOP. I go, what the heck are you talking about? You got have so much like uh, talk, you, and some of them, some of them don't talk English at all anymore. Y O E, B T U. That's about that. I'm going. What happened here? What? What is this? And they're laughing and they get angry at each other, and, and all I'm hearing is like syllables and and letters. <laughs> BTP, so I go M-O-U-S-E to you <laughs> I don't know what that says <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. the eighth thing those whose primary agenda is just for themselves in the Rocky movie years ago I think it was Rocky 4 when he fought the tall Russian at the end, at the end he's, he's, un, he's angry. The Russian guy says, I fight to win for me. I win for me. You know? And then, and then Rocky punched that thing right out of him. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people that are out there. They want to do it just for them. They're not kingdom-minded. They're, they're not, they're not uh, ministry-minded. They're not team-minded. God uses people that are connected to the body. You know? The worst thing in the world... I mean... I saw, actually, I saw this just yesterday. I was going to say it, and I actually saw it. There was a, you know, some young folk, they just want to scare you and make a joke of you and then put you on video. What they did was they got this guy carrying a mannequin. He's carrying the mannequin like this. And they make sure that somebody's behind him. And then the head falls off the mannequin. At the same time that the head falls off the mannequin, people come with sheetrock and walk right by, covering the mannequin's head. So at that very moment, a lady from the, the bottom there, they pick up the, the fake head, and a lady from underneath the ground, they actually put a hole there, she sticks her head. And it looks just like the mannequin's head. So I'm walking behind, I see the guy walking with his mannequin, the mannequin drops, suddenly 
a guy with some wood passes by, they don't see the fact that they exchange the head for a fake to a real head. So in each case, the people go, oh, you, you, your head, your head. So they went to grab the head. The head goes like that and looks at her. <laughs> so the guy goes, ah. <laughs> people have got nothing better to do nowadays, you know, just to scare you half to death. <laughs> but the point I'm making is that wouldn't it be weird if suddenly you just see a walking head out there? A head with two little legs. They come to church, sit right here. That would be scary. I don't think I'll be able to preach that day. If I see a head with two little feet and just, you know. Come on, preacher. Give me a high five. No, I ain't got no hands. Why? Because it's not normal. It's not normal. You have to have, you know torso, you have to have arms, legs, you know, under normal circumstances, right? That's the way God uses us. He connects us to a body. You can't just be a walking arm and just just be an arm. It it just doesn't work that way. Your strength, your abilities, your giftings are only good if they're connected to the body. Early on we worshipped, we clapped our hands. You know why I was able to clap my hands? Because they were willing to clap with each other. They were in agreement with the action. But the head said, clap. My hands went like that. Yeah, there was no argument there. It was total unity. So when your call is truly activated and you truly do what you're called to do, what will happen is when you stop being individualistic, when it's your time to kick in, guess what? You'll do it. It won't be an argument because you know you're part of a body. You're part of a community. When it's your turn to light, let your light shine, amen. When it's your turn to help somebody else's light shine, amen. amen. Well, that was a good place to say amen. Amen, that's right. See, but we only want our light to shine. Come on, come on, preach. My God. The ninth thing, some people say, man, why did he have ten points? Why didn't he have just four points? Thank you, sir, thank you. Those who refuse to keep covenant. I'm in covenant with this church. How many times have I wanted to quit? Once a month. (laughs) But I'm in covenant with this church. It's not an option. I speak to Vera, Deaconess Vera, and she lives like halfway to China. She lives in Long Island. She doesn't live around the corner. And she's one of the oldest members in this church. How long have you been a member of this church now? Over 25 years, she's a member of this church. Amen. Deacon Dennis, how long have you been a member of this church? You don't want to even tell me. It'll, it'll expose your age, right? Long time members. And we've spoken. And you know what both of them have said? I'm here because God called me here. I'm here until God says, okay, now you go elsewhere. But all these years, they've been here. And they've been faithful. Doing what God called them to do in whatever capacity. Never complain. I don't hear them. Have you ever heard them complain? That's exactly what this is talking about. They're covenant people. They're part of the body of Christ. They don't have to be shining all the time. They allow others to shine. And guess what? They still get the credit because they're part of the same body anyway. Hallelujah. And the tenth point. Somebody say, Amen, glory to God, hallelujah. You better not. (laughs) Tenth point, those who lack transparency, humility, and integrity. Let me tell you, our society today, we have mastered the art of not being integral, of lacking integrity. All these politicians, you see the way they talk, you know they're lying out of your teeth, out of their teeth. You know it. All the, the information is out there, but they've mastered the art of saying, uh, 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 they just move. They're, they're, they are amazing how they could swerve away from taking responsibility. But they lack transparency. They lack humility. They lack integrity. God cannot work with a person like that. And what, what, what ends up happening is when we refuse to allow God to move in our lives, when we refuse to come into covenant, we will look alive on the outside, but we're dead on the inside. Years ago, there was a lady by, by the name of Adele, elderly lady. She was suddenly missing. And what happened was, uh, they informed, the neighbors informed the police. So, the police went to the brother. 
And the brother told the police that she had gone into a nursing home. So I believe that she went to a nursing home. So satisfied with that information, Adele's neighbors began watching her property. Michael noticed her mail, delivered it through a slot. This really happened, by the way. He put the, slot in the, uh, the mail in the slot of the door, and it started piling high. When he opened up the door, hundreds of pieces of mail drifted out. So he notified the police. So the deliveries were stopped. So Adele's next-door neighbor, Eileen, started paying her grandson $10 twice a month to, to mow the lawn. Later on, the son noticed Gaburi's or Adele's pipes had frozen, spilling water out of the door. The utility company was called to shut off the water. What no one guessed was that all the while they had been trying to help, Adele had been inside her home. When the police finally investigated the house as a health hazard, they were shocked to find her body four years later. The respectable external appearance of Gaburi's house had hidden the reality of what was on the inside. Something similar can happen to people. We may appear outwardly proper while spiritually dead. All sorts of religious activity may be happening outside, but the real problem is missed. Spiritual death on the inside. It happens to many Christians. They do the stuff on the outside, but inside they're spiritually dead. Because they didn't get the advice. They didn't get the proper mentorship. They were not humble. You know, they, they were not submissive, accountable. They wanted to do it all themselves. They knew everything. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, We're God's handiwork. We're his workmanship. Say to your neighbor, I'm God's masterpiece. I'm God's masterpiece. You're his masterpiece. You're recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do the good works which God predestined, planned, predestined and planned beforehand for us to take paths which he prepared ahead of time. That we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. God has a good life for you. He calls it the good life in the Amplified. It's, it's a life where you partner with Almighty God. It's a life where His peace invades your soul. Yeah. His joy floods in you and then through you. Amen. I remember when I was 15, I received Christ. From 15 now, now to 55. I'll be 56 soon. That peace has been with me. Even in the difficult times, I have known the peace, the joy, the partnership, the power of God, the wisdom of God, the joy of the Lord. Am I perfect? No. I blow it many times, but Heavenly Father loves me. Amen. And each and every time, He treats me as a son. Amen. How do I treat my children? If I have to castigate them or chastise them, I will. But then I, I hug them afterwards. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Praise God. Or, or, or I let uh, Gwen handle them, and then I hug them later. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Do you have need now? Guess what? God's throne of mercy and grace is open now. It's available now. Say to your neighbor, it's available now. For you. Amen. His healing anointing. And then not only that, you as an emissary, you as an ambassador, have the right and the privilege to be able to share that with others. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. So your mindsets, start changing them. Start shifting them. Let God shift you to the one that you're called to be. Bye.